0: 9 o'clock, thanks for joining us. Jim and Cake today. Cake in for the Buckeye boy. From the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet View Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. The good, the bad, the ugly from the weekend. Good, the Broncos finish the season on a high note. The bad? It took until the final couple of games, Nathaniel Hackett getting canned for the Broncos to get it turned around. So, we've got some thoughts on that today. Prediction on uh, tonight's Georgia TCU game. Text your callus, 970-242-1340. Also, uh, Sean Payton, along with Jim Harbaugh, will be interviewed by the Broncos. Looks like they've also reached out to the Cowboys about Dan Quinn. And uh, joining us right now to talk about all things Broncos. 850 KOA, Broncos Radio Network. Broncos Country tonight. Co-host Benjamin Albright. Benjamin, it's been too long. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing fine. Happy New Year, by the way, sir. Happy New Year to you as well. Well, a new year and a new coach for the Broncos. That's uh, that search begins this week. Jim Harbaugh uh, will be interviewed by the Broncos this week. Sean Payton, who confirmed it on Fox TV, will be after the, the 17th because he's still under contract to the New Orleans Saints, and it looks like Dan Quinn also will be interviewed by the Broncos uh, down the road. Got to take us through, let's start with Jim Harbaugh, since he'll be the first one out of the gate here. Uh, Harbaugh, obviously with the connections, Benjamin, to the, the Penners who are at Stanford, kind of Lisa rice, who has a very close connection to, to Jim Harbaugh as well, dating back to his time as the Stanford head coach. With Jim Harbaugh, when you look at him, what are the concerns for you? Uh, as far as him being a Broncos head coach moving forward?
1: Well, the concerns would be that he's a guy that, uh, you know, his his style wears on you, and he, he generally only lasts at a place about four or five years. Uh, but that's the shelf life for an NFL coach most places, if we're being honest. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, there are people that are concerned that his game is, or his coaching style is more suited for the collegiate game where you get a fresh supply of athletes every four years. The roster is constantly turning over, um, although he's had success at every level, including the NFL. So uh, I, I think that uh, he's probably one of my two favorites for the job, but I, I do think there's some concern about the way that he is being an odd person and, and the style with which he coaches uh, wearing on people.
0: One of the positives of Jim Harbaugh in your book.
1: No, he wins. I mean, he wins everywhere he goes, uh, and and, it, and he wins big. Um, you go back and you look at, at what he's done at, at various different colleges, and, and obviously with the 49ers, I mean, the man went to a Super Bowl with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, so uh, I think that uh, uh, he can win. He he will win everywhere he goes. He's never lost, and, and I do believe that uh, uh, that success is, is ultimately why you're in the game, right?
0: Obviously, and I think in the case of... Jim Harbaugh, as you mentioned, took the the Niners to the Super Bowl. Lost to his brother uh, John and the Baltimore Ravens. Went there with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. He's 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 he fits the mold in that having a a guy that's been a coach in this league and not turning to the you know once again another first time head coach, uh, Nathaniel Ackett, Vic Fangio and, and obviously Vance Joseph prior to that. That Harbaugh. Has been there, like you said, wherever he's been, whether it's San Diego back in the day, Stanford, and, and Michigan, and likewise San Francisco. The guy knows goes how to win football games, regardless what what level he's coaching at.
1: Well, yeah, you know it's a proven pedigree, and, uh, and and I think that's something that Denver definitely needs an adult in the room and a pedigree to you know to match to be able to bring them back to the level they want to be at.
0: How much say could he potentially have in personnel? Because that was something, I believe, it came up in the Carolina Panthers discussion with David Tepper, with Harbaugh, about how much, allegedly, how much control he would have in regard to personnel. How do you see that, if it is Harbaugh, Benjamin, how do you see that playing out in Denver?
1: Well, you know, George Payton is one of the most respected talent evaluators in the league, won an award from his peers, uh, you know, for his abilities with, with that. I think that initially uh, Jim Harbaugh would try to work that out with George Payton and uh, would try to coexist. Uh, if that doesn't work out, uh, Ed Dodds is an assistant in uh, in Indianapolis, and that's kind of his guy, and I would imagine that if that didn't work out, he would uh, try to bring Ed Dodds over.
0: Do you see Jerry Rosberg? Having a place in Denver, I, I know with Jerry that he's kind of weighing whether or not he wants to to go back to being retired. How much fun that he you know did he have uh, doing this? It seemed like he really enjoyed being out with the players and, and coaching once again. And I think he had a very positive impact on this team. I think he'd be a great uh, addition down the road as a special teams coordinator. He's you know, that's what he's his stock and trade is. Do you see because the Harbaugh connection, Rossberg maybe? reconsidering retirement and and staying in denver
1: uh i think it's possible you know and it, it's possible he could wind up as a special teams coordinator on on a staff here in denver um you know it really just depends on what those coaches you know if they already have a guy and, and then whether or not rosberg actually wants to do it or whether he wants to go back to the job he was doing uh before he came to denver which was helping guys who are out of the league find jobs in the you know in kind of the civilian world and. You know, he enjoyed doing that, too. So uh, I I think there's a place for him here if he wants it. The question is whether or not he wants it.
0: I know Dave Logan, Benjamin, asked uh, Jerry yesterday during the postgame about possibly being interviewed for the head coaching job. He's 67. Do you – they won't – I mean, not not to knock his age or anything about that because I think you don't have to be, you know, 30 years old to be successful. Age provides experience and wisdom. I think we've seen that with Jerry Rosberg – would Jerry? It would even be on their list? Are they even going to talk to Jerry Rosberg about this job? I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But you never say never, right?
1: Well, I think they would give him a courtesy interview if he asked. But I also think Jerry Rosberg is too classy to ask for that, knowing right. he's not going to get it. So, um, I, I think that's kind of the the situation or the scenario there. I mean, he knows he's not being seriously considered for the job. Um, even though I thought he did a pretty good job over the last couple of games of. Uh, reigniting the professionalism of some of these players, you know, down the stretch after that Rams collapse on Christmas. So, uh, do I think that he is owed a courtesy interview if he wants one? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Uh, but I also think he's too classy to, you know, demand one.
0: Eight fifty Koa's Benjamin Albright with us today on the Team Sports Network. Let's move on to Sean Payton, who yesterday on Fox on the pregame show uh, uh, verified that uh, he will talk with the Broncos. Broncos reached out to Saints ownership. Uh, to grant uh, that interview for Peyton with the Broncos, and and how it's worded is that the Broncos understand and agree with New Orleans asking price of a first round pick and more. So they sound like they have a deal done. It's more he, the Saints have said, "Here's what we want. If you want Sean Payton, and if Sean Payton wants to come to Denver, this is what you're going to have to pay." It's not like they've agreed anything yet, and certainly Sean Payton also plays a huge role as he has to decide he wants to coach the Broncos. Kind of take us through the the, the Sean Payton interview that won't happen until after the 17th.
1: Well, that's the other leg of this, is that Sean Payton has to want the Denver Broncos, and I'm not 100% sure that he does. Uh, The permission that was granted by the Saints does not allow the Broncos to negotiate a contract or even offer Sean Payton the job after that interview. Uh, It's just a chance to sit down and talk and have an interview with him. Uh, Obviously, the Saints want a first-round pick and more. Uh, The Broncos are short on draft capital because of the Russell Wilson trade, Uh, and that's without even getting into the other logistical hurdles here with Sean Payton. Sean Payton's defensive coordinator would be Vic Fangio. That would present a problem in bringing him back to a locker room that uh, is somewhat divided on him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Sean Payton had four losing seasons, uh, 7-9 and records, with uh, Drew Brees in his prime in New Orleans. Uh, I think the legend of Sean Payton outpaces the actual production of Sean Payton. His, re- his resume is not that much different than, say, Mike McCarthy's. Um, so, you know, I think there are some other things there in place, and then it's not even getting into Bounty Gate or any of that stuff, um, that, uh, that 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 maybe put a pause on that. Sean Payton's a big name, but I'm not sure that Sean Payton's coaching resume matches up to Sean Payton's big name.
0: It also seems like there's, there's been a lot of hype about Payton because when he was on... Uh, Colin Cowherd show about what he would do to fix Russell Wilson. You know, cutting up Russell's best plays and we're going to play the hits with, with Russ, the stuff that, that, that speaks to his skill set, that that kind of, I think, led some people, Benjamin, to believe that, that Peyton would be really interested in, in coaching Russell Wilson. I, I think there, he was just answering a question about what he would do to fix a, a particular player, and that player happened to be Russell Wilson. I, so I, I, I tend to agree with you a little bit that I think Sean Payton. Well, he's been to two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl. There's there's a level of overhype when it comes to Sean Payton. Plus there's also the thing too that that he wants to have, at least what we hear, a greater say in personnel. And how would that work with the the other Payton spelled differently and George
1: Payton? Yeah, that's that's the other part of this, too. I don't believe George Payton would be the general manager of the Broncos anymore. I believe that Sean Payton would bring his guy in, which would be Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace was the general manager of the Chicago Bears, who famously traded up one spot with no competition to draft Mitchell Trubisky over Pat Mahomes. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, that's that's another thing you kind of have to look side-eyed at a little bit. Uh, with Sean Payton in answering the Russ Wilson question, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it was. He was just answering a question about a guy on a show, because what Sean Payton runs on offense, which is a lot of in-breaking routes, Mills concept, dagger, dino, uh, square ends and slants, uh, doesn't mesh with what Russell Wilson does well, which is throw outside the numbers and not really look over the middle of the field. So that presents yet another kind of oddity in this, in this situation.
0: You mentioned that, that Sean Payton has put together his his staff and Vic Fangio former Broncos head coach would be his DC who else has he has he mentioned as possible members of a of a staff if for somehow you know for some reason this all comes together and it they can find a way to make it work with with Vic coming back and and all those things who else have you heard Benjamins on that staff for Sean
1: Payton Well, there's a possibility that Rob Ryan would be on that staff. There's a possibility Pete Carmichael would be on that staff. Um, You know, he he would be looking for a solid offensive line coach. So uh, there's a possibility, uh, you know, Eric Cromer would be on that staff, people like that. Um, I I don't think any names that the the casual football fan is really going to be familiar with outside of maybe Rob Ryan. Uh, Most of these guys are just NFL lifers at, at, at various different position
2: groups.
0: Benjamin Albright, 850 KOA, Broncos country tonight, uh, joining us on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. And I mentioned that uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport uh, reporting that uh, the Broncos have requested an interview with Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. He was one of the finalists for the the job in Denver when uh, the Broncos ultimately hired Nathaniel Hackett. So it looks like Dan Quinn could be back in the mix once again to be the head coach of the Broncos.
1: Yeah, he could be, and and in the interest of full disclosure, I have a little bias. I know Dan. Uh, I was pulling for him in the last cycle. I really wanted him to get the job. I, I thought he was the right guy for the job. Uh, I still think he could be the right guy for the job. Uh, you know, if Dan Quinn does come, he probably brings Brian Schottenheimer with him uh, as, as some type of either offensive coordinator or quarterback's coach. Schottenheimer was Russell Wilson's uh, offensive coordinator 2018 to 2020 when he had the, the, his best production stretch. Um, I think Dan Quinn would probably keep it. Gerald Everett is his defensive coordinator. Everett was Raheem Morris' right-hand man, and Morris is Dan Quinn's right-hand man. Uh, so I, I have a little bit of bias on that one, uh, and I think if they get Dan Quinn, I don't think it's settling at all. I, I think he could be the right man for the job.
0: You mentioned you have a personal connection to Dan Quinn. Uh, outside of that, as far as what, what about Dan Quinn do you feel like, maybe puts him a leg up you know we're talking about harbaugh and Peyton, sexier names bigger names but what makes you benjamin feel like that maybe dan quinn has a leg up on those two
1: guys i just think dan is uh is, is, a, is, a, is a great coach overall he's, he's kind of a player's coach in the sense that absolutely no one has a bad word to say about dan quinn uh, the other two guys both have had successes in their own right but uh, if you talk to people who worked with them they'll they'll tell you I've had people coming out of the woodwork to tell me that that Sean Payton will throw anyone under the bus. It's never his fault. I've had people coming out of the woodwork to tell me that Jim Harbaugh is a jerk and very tough to work for. You won't find a person who worked for with, or played for or with Dan Quinn that has a bad word to say about him. Uh, He has had a track record of success. He's been to a Super Bowl. Uh, People talk about the offense falling off when when Kyle Shanahan left, but uh, Atlanta had a top-ten offense every year Dan Quinn was there. He knows how to work both sides of the football. Uh, he knows how to be the adult in the room while still being a players-type coach, and and I do believe those things are inherently valuable when you're when you're a head coach in the NFL.
3: We're talking with 850K away. Is Benjamin Albright on the Jim Davis Show. Uh, you mentioned Jero Evero, and I've seen a list that says that he is potentially going to get an interview for the head coaching job. Where do you see Jero Evero's career going? Do you think he would want to come back if he's offered – the DC job again for next year with the Broncos. Do you think he'd be willing to st- stick around as DC next year? Do you think he's going to get interviews elsewhere for other head coaching positions? Where do you kind of see uh, Giro Evero going uh, for next year?
1: Well, a couple of things. First of all, he will get a head coaching interview with the Broncos. Do I think he's uh, I think he's the fallback option if none of the big three take the job. Uh, Raheem Morris will also get an interview with the Denver Broncos for the head coaching job as well. Um, will Everett get other interviews? I'm not sure. He might. He's very highly thought of inside the building and they believe he will be a head coach someday. Uh, he is currently still under contract as the defensive coordinator of the Broncos for the next few years, so they can uh, force him to stay if they if they so wanted to. Um, I think he would like to be back. I think he wants to be a head coach, but I, it's it's so tough for one-year defensive coordinators to get a head coaching job, uh, especially and and sadly, uh, if you're a minority. And so it's it's just been. I don't know that he'll get a head coaching offer this cycle. He may get interviews. Um, I think he's on the head coaching fast track, and I think by next year he could be. The other thing that plays into this, and part of the reason the Broncos is catching him under contract at the D.C., is part of the new rules that if you uh, have a minority coach who gets promoted to be a head coach or gets promoted to be an executive, uh, you are awarded draft picks from the NFL. The Broncos are perilously short, on picks because of the Russell Wilson situation. So if he were to get a head coaching opportunity, they would be very excited for him.
0: 850 always Benjamin Albright uh, joining us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Benjamin, is there a name that we're not hearing about or talking about right now that we will be discussing in another few days of interviewing for this job?
1: Well, Raheem Morris is one. Uh, Jim Caldwell will probably get an interview as well. I think they're, they're trying to talk to his people and see if they can get that worked out. Um, I, don't, I don't think that Raheem Morris or Jim Caldwell are going to get the job, but I do believe both will get interviews.
0: Benjamin Albright with us today on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. You mentioned that Giro Vero could very well end up staying in Denver as the Broncos defensive coordinator. Who else on the staff might have a chance to, to stick around and be part of the Broncos in
1: 2023? Well, uh, Bill is retiring, so it won't be him. Uh, Christian Parker, the D-backs coach, um, is very highly thought of. I do believe that he could stick around uh, and he probably would stick around if ever over here. Um, beyond that, um, the running backs coach, uh, Tyron Wheatley, could could probably stick around. Uh, Justin Otten would would probably stick around if Dan Quinn were hired. Otten was a four year assistant for Dan Quinn in Atlanta, uh, so that's that's one scenario that he he might stick around as well. And then of course Jerry Rossberg, uh, if he if he wants to, could be a name that sticks around as well.
0: Now we're pulling for our guy Ben Steele, who from here in the Valley <laughs> played at Mesa. Of course, played at Palisade High School, played in the NFL. We'd love to have Ben. Uh, was able to 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 stay with the, the Broncos coaching the offensive line. We'll uh, keep our fingers crossed for Ben that that uh, maybe that'll that'll work out for him. When it's all said and done, your prediction today on January ninth, Benjamin Albright, who will be the next coach of the Denver Broncos?
1: Well, you know I've always said that this was a two man race between Jim Harbaugh and Dan Quinn. Um, I think the the Harbaugh stuff is kind of up to Michigan. If Michigan pays him, he he goes back. If they, he doesn't. Uh, and he gets the offer from Denver, he probably takes it. So I'll handicap it as is, is, uh, Jim Harbaugh with a slight favorite with Dan Quinn as the number two option.
0: And Sean Payton, you think the chances are extremely slim?
1: Yeah, I don't even think he wants to be here. I think he's using this as leverage for jobs he actually wants. He just bought a new house in Manhattan Beach. I think he wants the L.A. job and is waiting for Sean McVay to announce his retirement.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised if, if it doesn't play out that way. Hey, Benjamin, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, catch Broncos Country tonight uh, with Benjamin and Ryan Edwards, 850 KOA. I always enjoy your work on the pregame as well. But thanks, Benjamin. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Benjamin Albright, 850 KOA, Broncos Radio Network.
3: That's interesting that I did not I did not know that if a team has a minority coach that gets promoted that you, you get awarded draft. I did fairly, not know that. I
0: think that's a fairly recent rule to – I uh, think put some more teeth, some more incentive into the Rooney Rule,
3: and we were talking about it at the beginning of the show, just how how much trouble the Rooney Rule has in getting, you know, its teeth sunk in and trying to do what it wants to do, which is to create more opportunities for minority head coaches, or more, more accurately, more opportunities for there to be minority head coaches. Well,
0: and and. Look, Benjamin has his ear to the ground really, really close when it comes to all things Broncos. And, like, Dan Quinn's a guy that Russell Wilson knows. D.C. in Seattle when when Russ was playing there. Russ said positive comments about Dan Quinn. And you heard, um, you heard Benjamin also talking about Brian Schottenheimer, who was his offensive coordinator, Russ's offensive coordinator in Seattle, when he had some of his best years when Russ was cooking. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people, they want Sean Payton. I just think the, the price is going to be too high. I don't think his interest, I agree with Benjamin, I don't think his interest is there. We've had, I think Paul has texted him previously on that. Benjamin referenced the, the home that Payton built in Manhattan Beach out in California. That it's, I think it's a leverage thing. And I think, I, I also think on the part of the ownership group, it's, if they didn't try to talk to Sean Payton it speaks to hey to the to Broncos country we talked to Sean Payton and it didn't work out we gave it our best shot the the price was too high to pay his interest wasn't wasn't there but well, at least we interviewed him and talked to him about coming to Denver it is a little a little cya because you don't want well, why didn't you ever talk to Sean Payton? Maybe right. Sean Payton would have come to Denver. And it would have been great. And blah blah. This way they can say, yeah, we we did talk to him. We interviewed him. He it, was he was like the second guy we interviewed or it, whatever. And it shows that they care. It shows that they're trying to cover all their bases. They're trying to do their due diligence. They're trying to to vet guys that they feel like are 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 good candidates for the job. And Sean Payton. And I and I I agree with a lot of the things that Benjamin was saying about Sean Payton. I don't dislike Sean Payton. I do personally. Personally, but I, but I you know the things that he's talked about you know throwing guys under the bus and things like that. That's that's what Sean Payton's done. And number one, if Vic Fangio has to be his DC, that could be a problem.
3: That could be a massive problem
0: because there are guys on this team that played for Vic that aren't that aren't fans of him. And so you're going to try to get them to buy into him coming back. Or you have a Giro Vero, who guys really like, and you're going to have Vic Fangio replace him. And that's going to be a tough sell to some people.
3: And this is where I think George Payton's role in this head coaching search is going to be huge because the owners were not here for Vic Fangio. They don't know what Vic Fangio was like or how he operated or how he interacts with the players. George Payton's got one year of experience with Vic Fangio, and how that played out. He's ultimately the guy that fired him. So George Payton will need to, when he interviews Sean Payton, or when the when the interview oh, Greg, of Greg
0: Pinner and you know Greg Pinner's going to take more of a lead on this. Payton, right, Payton's voice will be heard though. There's I don't think there's any exactly. doubt about that.
3: And and when Payton will hopefully make his voice heard I think is is going to be in direct relation to that question of if you're going to try to bring in Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator, do you think that's going to have an adverse effect on the locker room since you know a lot of these guys and some of them don't really like you, to, to put it one way? And, and, and
0: look, Ryan Pace was a disaster as the GM in Chicago, as as Benjamin mentioned, traded up. Didn't need to, but traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky when over Patrick Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes is there. So if those are guys that he has to have, I don't think it's probably a formula that's go, that's going to work for the Broncos. Yeah. Harbaugh, Harbaugh's intriguing. Harbaugh has shelf life. Benjamin makes a good point though. Four or five years in the league, that's that's kind of shelf life for most coaches anyway. Dan Quinn, going back to Dan Quinn, who probably should have been the guy they hired the last time. Quinn makes a lot of sense, particularly if Schottenheimer's involved. Russ knows him, and Schottenheimer obviously has a connection with Russ, and great success. Wouldn't those two guys work together? Quinn makes a lot of sense for this team, and and I don't I don't I don't I don't see it as. Dan Quinn and Russ being this collaborative Nathaniel Hackett like thing. No, because number one, that didn't da- Dan work. Quinn's a defensive guy. But I think that there's there's a relationship of I know this guy, I respect this guy, he knows me, and I, I think this relationship could be a really good one in a different context now, where he'd be the head coach of this football team. I I tend to agree with Benjamin. I think Dan Quinn makes a lot of sense. I know that people are like, oh no, not Dan Quinn. And and I was The kind Coach of, of the team that blew the lead in the Super Bowl. Twenty eight three. Thank you.
3: And and that was well, honestly, that was kind of my thinking yesterday. I'm like, you know, what is what is Dan Quinn if not the head coach of the team that lost the largest lead in Super Bowl history?
0: How about he got his team to the Super Bowl?
3: And I did not that, know that
0: How about let's start with that and then the other is yeah, okay, valid point that they they blew it and some of that was Kyle Shanahan too, wasn't wasn't all on Dan Quinn. But I just think he makes some sense. The relationship with Russ, the the fact that you're not going to have to to go and and you know Harbaugh get a buys contract out, which is three million, which is nothing for the, the Walton Pinner group. That's that's lunch money. He spent
3: four hundred thousand dollars on grass yesterday for, for one
0: game, basically.
3: They can spend three million for a head coach. Yeah,
0: to, to fix the field for one game, which shows that the, this ownership group cares about the players, player safety, by going out and redoing the field. What, what they did for yesterday,
3: and that's on top of the expect, expected millions and millions of dollars yeah. in renovations to Mile High. Yeah,
0: I, I just, I just think that the, the more you look at it. I I like Frank Reich, and I don't know if they're going to interview Frank Reich. It doesn't sound like it. Dan Quinn would probably make some sense for this football team, in terms of what you have to, what you don't have to give up, the relationship, and if Schottenheimer's involved, it could prove to be a really good thing. And hopefully, Giroviro will will stay on and 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 work for for Dan Quinn, get another year of experience, and then probably at some point he'll have a chance to be a head coach. Uh, before we take a break, who do we have here on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line? It's
3: been a while from since we've heard from who is normally first in the door,
0: Joel. Oh, Joel calling in. Joel, where you been? I, I, was, ready your, <laughs> I was ready to put your picture on your problems. carton.
2: <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's been uh, during the season, it, 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 it was hard to get motivated to call in, but my work schedule's been a little bit different than it was previously. That's, but that's okay. A little, you know, end of season conversations, right?
0: Absolutely. Well, it's it's good to have you with us. So, uh, what what's your take on where Denver goes next?
2: You know, I I've been all over the board on this, and I and I'll be honest with you about that. I you know, I immediately my my immediate reaction is, hey, you got to have an adult, right? You, you saw the impact that uh, Jerry Rossberg and, and somebody that can relate to the players. Yeah. Even even though Jim Harbaugh is known to be kind of a jerk. Um, His players overall have really liked the guy and you look at the way that he's um, You know that he's handled, you know odd situations like say Colin Kaepernick the way that he leveraged Colin and you know a non-traditional quarterback All those things and then on the other side of the board and and I realize that the, the Broncos fan base can't take another rookie head coach that you know that flops but you can't write those guys off if you look at this, you know, the playoffs this year. I think you've got nine head coaches in the playoffs this year that are maybe not in the first year as a head coach, but are first their first job as a head coach. Right. So a majority are guys that, you know, you got the right hire. If you look at last year's coaching cycle, I mean we we hired pretty much the one wrong guy out of the cycle last year. Oh, absolutely. All the other guys have been successful.
0: Yeah, Kevin O'Connell did a great job in Minnesota guy, the Broncos interviewed last year.
2: Yeah. So I, I, I just think I don't want to fully discount. And, 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 I, it was interesting that, you know, that Benjamin said that, you know, Edgerow um, uh, is potentially that, that guy, if it's a rookie head coach that he's that guy. And, and I'm glad that there's that potential there. I'm just, you know, hearing hearing you guys talk about Quinn and and he's not that glitzy, glamorous hire. I'm not a huge Sean Payton guy. I agree with everything that you guys have said and that that Benjamin has said. I think he benefited immensely from his time with Bill Parcells. That you know, you get a little bit of that luster by proxy, right? And then then also, um, you know, he benefited from having a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, there's always that synergy, right? Great head coaches typically have great quarterbacks during their careers, so. I don't, I don't know. Again, you know, quick to throw guys under the bus and that type of stuff. So, at this point, uh, I would say that uh, the two guys that I'd like to see is is Dan Quinn, um, obviously, and I like the fact that there will be some level of continuity because, you know, as he's saying, you bring in Schottenheimer, and then there's also the rumor that uh, he would retain Evro as the head co- or as the defensive coordinator, so you get that continuity on the defensive side of the ball. And I I actually worked uh, for years for a business consulting firm. And one of the things that I've always said, the huge mistake that new regimes make is cleaning house. house. And, you you know, if you go in, and one of the things that we always evaluated was, hey, this isn't broken. You've got all these other things that you need to fix. You need that personality. You need that general. You need the guy that's going to oversee everything. But if you've got a great defensive coordinator... The unit played well. That that kind of good old boy mentality, where I'm going to come in and bring my guy because I want to give my guy an opportunity, that's just not a good business model. The, the the good business model says fix what's broken, retain what's not, and move forward. And and I think there's a lot to be said for that. So right now, <laughs> and again, I'm all over the place on this. You know, it'll probably change again as we go through the cycle. Is I would say that Dan Quinn, you know, would be the guy that I would hope. And then I'm kind of with Benjamin, you know, Everett would be number two. And I, again, I'm with you guys. I had no idea that there's also draft pick compensation if, if you, re, you know, promote a guy internally to head coach who happens to be a minority. That that that's, uh, that's a pretty valuable commodity there.
0: Absolutely. Hey, Joel, always great to hear from you. Happy New Year, sir. And uh, don't be a stranger, okay?
2: All right, thanks, guys.
0: All right, take care. All right, Joel. In the door today, not the first one on the door. Well, actually, yeah, he the first one. We, first phone call. First phone call today. A lot of text. We have some more text, by the way, since my text line is still not uh, operative over in my end.
3: Yeah, we got a couple. We got Andy wishing our colleague, the Buckeye boy, a happy birthday today. Which That's
0: is, right, it is his birthday. Which
3: is why I'm here and he's not. We got Mountain Dave uh, says, not really football related, but I felt that Jerry Rosberg was so familiar to me when he spoke, and it wasn't until yesterday that I realized he reminded me of the late Ed Tooker, my wrestling coach at Mesa Junior College in 1967. His demeanor sometimes hid the passion for the kids and the sport that he coached. I was blessed to have had two coaches in such in my life. Coach Lowry Bishop was another. And then from Dylan today, the good, good, the bad, and the ugly if you want to cue the music if you got it in front
0: I of I certainly do.
3: Good, the Broncos, Avs, and Nuggets. The bad, not just the Broncos, but there was a lot of bad football this season. The ugly. The Packers player shoving the Lions trainer. We talked about that. Quay Walker, the rookie. That's stupid. Just dumb. Especially, And, and it, it's it can't be understated that it's not just that he shoved a trainer out of the way who was trying to deal with an injured player. It's that he did it the week that we were celebrating athletic trainers and medical staff of NFL teams for the hard work that they did to save a man's life this past week. So,
0: read the room, buddy. Read the <laughs> should, should room. Should should never shove a trainer, even regardless what what the week is and what the, you know the, the renewed focus on. Exactly. It's like, what are you doing that for? Don't be an idiot. Don't be a fool.
3: Don't be stupid.
0: All right. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. We got this day in sports history on the way. Also, we'll uh, look back at this weekend for Colorado Mesa basketball. Both Maverick basketball teams sweeping the weekend against Chadron State and Colorado Christian. That's coming up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com.
1: I'm a big sports addict. I like sports, sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the Team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose.
0: thanks for joining us. I'm Jim, along with Cake, in for the Buckeye boy, who's celebrating his birthday, what, he's 40 today, I believe? That sounds right. Wow. Man, that makes me feel old. That guy's 40 years old. Because I've I've known him since, gosh, I think he's five? Five or six years old? Wow. Yeah. And so... It's a long time to know a person. Yeah. And... I, his, his mother or his grandmother and, and my mom were really good friends. They used to go to the same church out north of town. Um, my brother went to high school with the, with the Buckeye boys, uh, late mom, Sandra. And so we, we've known the family for a very long time. And I remember when Buckeye, I think he he, was, he, might, he might've been a little bit old than that, maybe six or seven, I was doing Juco and he asked me for an autograph. He was like the first person to ever ask me for an autograph, which I still... Just like, why, why do you want my autograph? I'm just...
3: Now, would he joke. corroborate that story?
0: Because... I, I believe he would. Yeah, because okay. when he was a kid... Yeah, he he was a little kid. I I would I would hope he would. I would... Because it, it happened. The real question
3: is, does he still have it? I
0: don't... Probably not, no. <laughs> I seriously doubt it. If it was me, I probably... I roles reversed i probably wouldn't have it i don't know i um but yeah so i've known him a very long time and happy birthday today to the buckeye boy which i said do we want to call you like buckeye man at some point or i mean but it's he's buckeye boy no matter how no matter how old he he becomes he's always gonna be the buckeye boy exactly buckeye man just doesn't uh just doesn't roll up
3: it sounds like a really like you have like a tier superheroes, you know your, your Spider Mans, your right. It, it, that sounds like an F tier.
0: <laughs> exactly, it sounds like a. I'm a the Buckeye or, Man. I'm B or C yeah level superhero. The Buckeye Man.
3: Here, here comes the Buckeye Man. <laughs> Buckeye <laughs> boy,
0: that seems better. That's that's perfect. All right, so Colorado Mesa women's basketball, they got off to a really tough start this season. Lost a lot of talent with Danny Turner's graduation, Kelsey Siemens among Brian others. Ryan Martin, Mariah Martine. but uh, this young Maverick basketball team for Taylor Wagner's starting to put it together. They've won three straight. They uh, picked up a seventy-six to thirty-one win against Shadron State, and then gets cut kind of Christian played even better defensively, holding them to, to twenty-nine points in a fifty-two to twenty-nine victory. After the game on Saturday, Dave Yonke. CMU Sports Information Director talking with Taylor Wagner about a successful win against Colorado Christian and a great defensive effort on back-to-back nights.
4: Wagner, Dave. Yeah, I got head coach Taylor Wagner with me, Coach. You got to be impressed with the defense your girls played tonight. That's seven straight quarters now holding them under ten, under holding an opponent under ten points. Just talk about their effort on the defensive end.
5: Yeah, I mean they they're doing a great job. THEY'RE WORKING SO HARD ON DEFENSE, THEY FORGOT ABOUT OUR OFFENSE. <laughs> you know, I MEAN, BUT I'm, I'M HAPPY FOR THEM. THAT'S WHAT WE WANT. WE NEED TO CONTINUE TO DO THAT. Um, BUT, YEAH, THINGS ARE GOING THE RIGHT WAY. BUT YOU, you GOT TO SHOW UP EVERY GAME WE PLAY. SO WE GOT A TOUGH ONE, TOUGH TWO NEXT WEEK ON THE ROAD GOING UP TO SOUTH DAKOTA.
4: AND YOU HAD you had BIG EFFORTS FROM OLIVIA REED AND KYLIE KRAVIG. She, SHE WAS, I THINK SHE WAS IN, uh, HAD A TON OF ASSISTS. But Olivia another double double just talk about those two kids and how they've progressed throughout the year.
5: Yeah, Olivia we need to get it into her more actually tonight, you know, because we we missed we went through a dry spell. I think we missed probably seven or eight threes in a row and we just need to get it into her a little bit more. She's been consistent all year and Kylie's getting better every game. So, you know, she has to guard the best player, handle the ball, distribute the you know, distribute the ball, run her off. You know, I mean, it's I'm impressed with her. So, uh, she's going to keep grinding for us and hopefully we got a few more people that step up and we're a little more balanced every night
4: Now you, next week you go on the road you take a three-game winning streak on the road couple tough Opponents in Black Hills State and South Dakota mines. What do you got to do this week in practice to prepare for them?
5: Well, Black Hills Aggressive, I mean they always get up. It's a big game always when we play them It seems like it comes down to the last couple possessions so you know they do a lot of different things and really aggressive so and a good offensive team as well so uh, it's a bit a little bit of everything against black hills they just do a phenomenal job
4: congrats on the win coach Rio back up to you
5: thanks a lot Dave Dave
0: with a right, victorious so head
3: coach team with a victorious head
0: Rio Van Gilder the Buckeye boy the birthday boy I'm calling that one on Saturday night uh, Mavericks get the victory and uh, Kylie Kravik who they referred to in that in the uh, conversation with Taylor Wagner, she played 39 minutes. Wow. And she's been doing that a lot lately. She's chewing up the minutes uh, for the Maverick women's basketball team. And so while the Maverick women got the sweep, the men, they uh, equaled that uh, accomplishment. They have now won seven straight games. Maverick men getting the win against shattering State on on Friday night, 73-60, to 60, and then uh, knocking off the Cougars, 78 to 58 on saturday night blaze three had 18 points in the victory for the mavericks after the game dave yonke talking with mike DeGeorge.
4: george hey, coach mike to coach you know coach beche at halftime the last two nights said that there was a huge emphasis put on the defensive side of the ball um over kind of the last month or so and uh you know tonight you hold ccu to 58 points you got to like your chances when you hold a team to 58 points
6: Yeah, you know, our defense has really improved. And it's not that our technical aspect or our commitment is improved. I think one of the things we tried to address with the team was we weren't communicating as well as we did in the past. And we were so dependent on Georgie Dancer and Jared Small for communication and kind of keeping guy engaged when we were getting frustrated or when we get a little bit ahead, this group kind of gets quiet. And so, you know, we've had a lot of leadership since we had that bad weekend in December. And they've really stepped up their communication, just overall focus. And trying to sustain their effort.
4: You know, and tonight uh, on the offensive end, I thought that second group that came in about that midway point of the, of the first half really gave you a boost kind of throughout the game.
6: Yeah, that group has really been playing well to, together in practice, so we like to see how they do early in the game. And tonight they did well, so we just kind of ran with that, kind of back and forth with uh, five guys at a time. But I think it helps that bench group if we can get them engaged early and get everybody out there. Uh, and then we can kind of pick and choose where we want to go from there in terms of substitutions. But they, they played well tonight in that first half.
4: You know, and looking ahead to next week, you got the long trip to South Dakota against a tough Black Hills State team and South Dakota Mines. What's something that you're going to work on this week heading into the, that long trip and that tough matchup?
6: Well, one thing we're just going to talk about is next four games because in the next two weeks we got four in a row on the road. Obviously, Black Hills and Fort Lewis are two of the top teams in the league. But South Dakota Mines and Westminster at home, have been top-tier teams. They're playing great at home. So it's just a really difficult stretch, and we got to embrace the difficulty of that. And then, you know, it's just a matter of consistency. We took better care of the ball, but we've been turnover prone, and we had a bad week of that in practice because we're trying to play a little faster offensively. So we'll work on that, and then we just still got to establish habits defensively. Their focus is there, but the habits aren't quite there yet defensively.
0: All right, there's Mike DeGeorge with uh, Dave Yonke. So the Maverick men and women play at Black Hills State on Friday. That'll be on the Team Sports Network Saturday because of the NFL playoffs and wildcard weekend. Uh, The Maverick games at South Dakota Mines will be over on 1100 KNZZ 92.7 FM. But uh, Maverick men, second longest winning streak in the league. And push will come to shove on Friday night because Black Hills State, they've got off to a sensational start uh, undefeated through the first 12 games. And for the Mavericks, like I mentioned, they are uh, on a seven-game winning streak. All right, nine forty-four. Jim, along with Cake today. Buckeye Boy is out celebrating his birthday today. So, uh, time right now for the day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest
1: sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. Back in time.
0: All right, on this day. In 1953. This is incredible. Six foot nine, Clarence Bevo Francis, a freshman center for Rio Grande, scores 116 points against Ashland College, setting a new collegiate single game scoring record. He had 61 points through the first three 10 minute quarters and then turned it on down the stretch. He scored all 55 of his team's points in the fourth.
3: That's insane. Scored
0: 116 points. Take that,
3: Will Chamberlain.
0: So, but later <laughs> that later that year, though, the NCAA revoked his 116-point game from the record books, citing that Ashland was only a two-year college and thus an unfair opponent. Oh, uh, what? Jack Duncan scored 87 in the game. It got kicked out for the same reason. But then, about a year later, Bevo Francis... Scored 113 against Hillsdale, a four-year school. That time it counted. Remains the most points ever. So he was three points off what he did before. Wow. Also uh, for the Buckeye boy, his beloved Browns, this is a dark day in Browns history. Art Modell back in 1963 fires the legendary coach and namesake of the team, Paul Brown. And then later Art Modell would just move the Browns to, to Baltimore to add to the Insult to injury. Oof. All Paul Brown did was lead Cleveland to seven championship games. Won three of them. And only once in his 17 years did they have a losing record. And the team was named the Browns in 1946. It was a a, a name the team contest. And Browns ended up being the, the name. Originally they were going to be called the Cleveland Panthers. So there was a semi-pro team that was called the Cleveland Panthers. So that's how they ended up becoming the Browns. So there we go. That's this day in sports history. All right, 947. We'll take a break. We'll come back, talk a little bit about tonight's uh, national championship game, Georgia and TCU. We'll also have garbage time as well. That's next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network.
5: Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the
1: best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader,
6: the team.
0: Welcome back 950 Jim along with cake today Buckeye boy out celebrating his 40th birthday coming up on tomorrow's program it'll be Mav day we'll also have a uh, Wyatt Thompson voice of the Kansas State Wildcats our college football insider we'll look back at tonight's national championship game between Georgia and TCU so I believe it picks I picked Georgia on Friday
3: that sounds right I think actually we all picked Georgia
0: are you are you okay, what are you rooting for more a first ever college football playoff back-to-back championship for Georgia or a TCU upset.
3: I would love to see a TCU upset for sake of just the story. You know, it would be such a cool story to be like, hey, here's you know, here's a chance for the uh Cinderella story to really manifest itself with everything that I mean, cuz what what was it? They were like the least odds on to win or even make it to the national championship game? They
0: were 5-7 last year.
3: So there you go. I mean... But the thing that
0: what Sonny Dykes inherited though from Gary Patterson was a a program in the Big 12 that was, in terms of recruiting, right there with Texas and Oklahoma. In terms of the talent they were bringing in, it just wasn't coming together the last few years for Patterson where the defense really started to drop off and that always had been TCU's claim to success was really good running game and a, a, a tremendous defense. Sonny Dykes comes in from SMU, uses the transfer portal to plug some holes. Max Duggan reclaims his job, first game of the season, right. in the second half of the game at Colorado. And he goes on to have a, a year where he's the runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. They've got speed. that They've demonstrated, particularly in the Michigan game, they can match physicality. And that will be the key tonight with Georgia and and what they bring to the table in terms of that defense, which um, you mentioned Quai uh, Walker, the who ran into uh, who hit the trainer, part of that Georgia team last year, really good defender for that, that Georgia Bulldogs football team. They lost guys like him, right, on that side of the ball. But Kirby Smart able to, to reload that defense. Stenson Bennett, who's seventy five years old, <laughs> just keeps playing great football i just think tonight if tcu is going to win and look george's got speed but TCU's speed has to be the advantage that they have tonight right i think physically they'll match up i still think george is going to win tonight i think it could be a heck of a game though i could be a lot of fun tonight all right on the team tonight though we'll have nuggets basketball and it's not just any old matchup it's Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets taking on LeBron James and the Lakers tonight. Pre-game at 6.30. Let's quickly hop into the dumpster. It's garbage time.
6: We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team.
2: Oh, I love trash.
0: All right. uh, We were talking earlier with Benjamin Albright about uh, Jim Harbaugh interviewing with the Broncos. We know that uh, Harbaugh talked to David Tepper, Carolina Panthers owner, but it sounds like the Panthers are out. According to Mike Sando from The Athletic, At the Panthers um, had a conversation, Harbaugh had a conversation with David Tepper. Uh, everybody said that that conversation was not an official interview. But uh, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports reported on Sunday that Harbaugh had a recent phone conversation with Tepper. But, and it was one Harbaugh called Tepper. Mm-hmm. And sources told Jones that Harbaugh's representatives have been Telling Tep calling Tepper with regularity in recent weeks, and that Harbaugh, you know, would like to have more say about the personnel in Carolina, and that could be it sounds like that's a sticking point when it comes to uh the Panthers. So it looks like the Panthers are out.
3: Speaking of the Panthers, and we mentioned this when we did went around the NFL, Sam Darnold's numbers, despite getting the win, Sam Darnold Five of 15, 43 passing yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and a passer rating of 2.8. Ooh. Yet they still got the win. So, hey, you know what? Congratulations, I think, to the Panthers. <laughs> Why not?
0: Way, way to go. Uh, one more with Kwai Walker, the Packer rookie that shoved the trainer last night. He has apologized for that a uh, member of the okay. Detroit training staff came onto the field to check an injured player. There was a staff member who was trying to get players out of the way so they could attend to the injured player. Right. Walker didn't like it, and that's why Walker ended up pushing the trainer. And Walker, now publicly apologizing, uh, a very lengthy apology, said he was wrong and made a stupid decision. So at least I'll, I'll give him that. All right. At least he said he was sorry. There you go. And that's our show for today. Jim Rome's coming up next. Nuggets-Lakers at 6.30 tonight for Cake. I'm Jim Buckeye back tomorrow. We'll have Mav Day tomorrow on the program as well, so make sure you join us. 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network.